to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us this is the fear of god speaking to you right now is one of your hosts nathan rouse and typically with me his fellow co-host reed lackey and guys reed was here but he had to go prepare for his acceptance ceremony that sounds like a major award i'm sure it'll go great for him And for all of us, while we wait on Reed, permit me to remind you, listeners, that here at The Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain. Except for right now, when I explain that you can find all things foggy at thefearofgodpodcast.com. Things such as, and especially, how to support us on Patreon. More on that momentarily, because who is this emerging from the fog but the one, the only Reed Lackey? I've just come back from my acceptance ceremony and I got demons running all through me, all through me, oh man. I'll tell you, I'll eat anything you want me to eat. I'll slow anything you want me to slow. Come on down now. Stir it down. Man, it's not often you get to use that in context. And it's you true, took it but and ran with it. And I, I did. love it. I did. I'm I thankful it. for you and it. <laughs> nice. <sighs> nice effing reference. Um, Reed, we have some. Indeed. Quick business to attend to oh, uh, quick before we get to our main discussions for today. Mm. One, mm-hmm. if you're finding us for the first time today, welcome. <laughs> today, you find us in the middle of a four-part series titled, What the Folk? Where we've been specifically looking at some folk horror films. Thus far, covering Witchfinder General and last week, The Blood on Satan's Claw. Mm. There really are few more just like crunchy horror movie titles than The Blood on Satan's Claw. Like, it's just. It's, yeah. I mean, it's. It's just right there. Yes. Yes. It, the title is just a bit much. I mean, in some it's ways, not, the film is a bit much, but yes. It's, it's true. Uh, but there's no real mystique about that title. It's just all darkness. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we're going to continue. What the folk today with a movie that made us all go, what the folk? Oh, man. Uh, the Medium, a film that, in addition to being part of this series, was also a Fogoween submission by Ernst Mantler, listener and Canadian. So, if you, so, thank you, really, you Ernst. guys, yes, you have no one to blame but Ernst <laughs> for the trauma <laughs> this film may cause you. Don't blame us, blame him. Number two. <laughs> We've relaunched the Fog merch store with fresh and refreshed Fog swag. Check it out, get some swag, and then email us with a photo of you in it. And we are going to post it to our Instagram because that's what they do in the 21st century. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
Yes. That's enough business for now. Read. Mm-hmm. Shall we watcha for our patrons? And then I want to hear how your ceremony went. It's exciting. Oh, okay. So about this movie. Oh, boy. Uh, We're talking about the medium today. And, um, you know, what we should have done is had Ernst record the reading here. But um, (laughs) I'm going to do it in his absence here. So on Apple Movies, it describes the medium as a documentary team follows Nim, a shaman based in northern Thai, the Isan area, and encounters her niece, Mink, showing strange symptoms that seem to be of inheritance of shamanism. The team decides to follow Mink, hoping to capture the shaman lineage passing on to the next generation, but her bizarre behavior becomes more extreme. Does it ever? Boy, oh. That was my commentary on the end. Yes. Uh, No joke. No joke. Um, So we're still in this folk horror series what the folk um and i knew since ernst had recommended it uh from the time he recommended it, i knew that the medium was broadly considered a folk horror film um i had never seen it and so this was a good excuse for me to you know say like hey ernst recommended it and it's in this series so that's going to be what we slot in uh next week's film is the one is the other one besides the two we've already covered that I was really eager to like, Oh, I I really want to prioritize getting to next week's film. And then this was a really great opportunity. And so I, I, this was a rare moment for me to have gone into a recording of this, but I've only seen it once and I saw it for this. And, uh, so yeah. Uh, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Um, whoa. Uh, oh, Nelly. You know, I don't know that I comprehended when we started What the Folk that our back two would both be foreign language film. And I think I've referenced before oh, on the show yeah. how those automatically take me a little longer. Uh, yeah, of course. Because I will like to take notes. And, um, and this is just super nerdy on my part, and I can own that. I don't do literal play-by-play, but for some of these lengthier films or films I'm unfamiliar with beforehand... I'll kind of do, I'll kind of write plot beats as it goes, just so I can recall a little bit of of narrative stuff. Yeah. So I did watch this movie in two sittings purposefully. Um, You know, it was, it's about two, uh, just under two 15 in its runtime. And I chose to watch about the first 45 minutes and, and, and stopped at the scene where Mink is roaming the night streets. Like she, it's very, it's in this kind of, is yeah. a kind of breath moment in, mm-hmm. in the film before yeah. it kind of ramps up. So, you know, I, well, cut into the chase. This is a really good flick. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It really does what we like in a yes. lot of ways. Yes, I agree. I kind of enjoy something I found pretty interesting about it is, is I liked the cultural aspect of it that, okay, this is kind of a neat, um, I was going to say neat take on this idea, but that's not neat. Take on this idea implies, Oh, you're intentionally trying to find an angle. Like the Mm. angle is the documentary, the, the the substance is just 
a cultural experience of possession. Yeah, like, right. It's a possession movie, but set in this this cultural milieu. Um, so no, I I found it very fascinating. If I have any overall ding on the movie, I don't I don't know that it quite earns its runtime. I never was actively bored, but by the end of it, I did start to feel like I was ready for it to be done. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but 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 that sounds like a knock. It's more just I wish it'd been a little tighter here and there. But the actual, as a show that watches horror movies, this mm-hmm. absolutely qualifies, uh, uh, kind of unquestionably, and it's really good at what it does. So yes, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I was very intrigued by it. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll echo a lot of what you said. So the way that I describe the sentiment that you just sort of touched on there is, yes, never boring, but I felt the length. And yeah. usually when I feel the length, and, and don't get me wrong, there's plenty of films that I genuinely enjoy where I still feel the length, but there were a couple of times where it felt a bit like it was lingering slightly too long on what it was trying to express, um, particularly in the first hour of the film, where we're getting to know Nim, we're getting to know this more extensive family, and they're seeing some oddness with Mink that lasts prop I'm just going to be real critical that it lasts probably 10 to 12 minutes longer than it should like that that whole sequence before we finally get to things starting to really break out into to more extremities and, but it's really hard to criticize so many of the little interior moments of the films all uh, all, all the things that it tries to do I feel like it does impressively well my favorite parts of it are the parts with Nim. Yeah, um, she's great. I think, yeah, the actor is incredible. I'm going to cut you off real quick yeah, and be yeah. rude, but but I, there were moments, Reed, in this first, in the first sitting, right, when I was, mm-hmm. um, I sort of abandoned this notion after about the 15-minute mark. There's nothing explicit that happens in the 15-minute mark. I just decided, okay, I, I'm going to choose not to be confused here. But, again, with movies we've never covered before, Broadly speaking, I don't really need to know much other than we're covering them. So I just start them. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's effectively yeah, what happens. Yeah. Um, rarely will I watch a trailer. Rarely will I even read anything. Uh, there's the cover art and then you hit, hit play. And so I probably at about the five minute mark, I actively thought about texting you. This, this is not a documentary, <laughs> you know, question <laughs> right. mark uh, yes. or yeah, yeah, yeah. ellipsis or period. You know, it was like, <laughs> yes. Okay. What am I watching again? Mm, um, mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, even just reading the synopsis, it describes a documentary team, you know? And so right, right, it definitely, right. it definitely plays on that format. Sometimes it, it, I don't think it works throughout. Uh, I agree but, with that. Yeah. Um, but it largely works. But to your point, one of the reasons I was duped is that performer of Nim is so good. She's she, so like, good. Like, this is just, this looks like just a human out in the world who's yeah. totally part of the world and culture and, and yes. belief system she occupies. Like I totally bought it. And I don't disagree with you that there's, um, even to say, call it fat feels overstating it, but there's uh, unnecessary length in places. If the movie had just started as a, let's focus on mink and her trajectory into the, calamity mm-hmm. i don't know that i've enjoyed it quite so much yeah, it's it's yeah. the world building of that first 20 minutes of mm-hmm. nim and her sister noi and the brother manit i believe yes uh, of just like kind of getting to know them I was like these look like th- that's why i was fooled i was yeah. like 
these look just like normal folk in the world that we're documenting. Yeah. Um, so it, the- it, I, I did have about 30 seconds of like, wait, now, is this? <laughs> it steers really hard into its horrors. And yeah, then you're like, yeah. okay, this, this is not that at all. But and anyway, uh, well, and I feel like the documentary found footage conceit breaks down fairly quickly into the film. Like the interview segments are all exceptional. And so many of the we're capturing a moment we're not supposed to capture is, is really good. But it is not long before you begin to see like, okay, there's no way that that camera would like that, that would still be happening the way it was happening and, and all this other sort of stuff. Um, but casting that aside, I mean, here's what's difficult about Mink's performance. I think that actor, I mean, has just unbridled commitment. Mink has to do some crazy, outlandish, insane things in the film. But Mink, to me, and this is going to feel perhaps like a like a ding. I don't know. Maybe it is a ding. But Mink felt like I was watching a performance, even though I felt like the performance I was watching was really good. Coming back to your original point, yeah. those other three don't feel like I'm watching a performance. They yeah. feel like yeah. they're just navigating. Mink feels their like an role. actor. Yes, Mink feels like yeah. an actor. And again, it's an it's a performance that I'm sure a- 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 applauding and appreciating. But the rest are so in it that I'm like, I don't think they're acting. The 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 responses are all sort of on point. They're muted enough. They are uh they're they're organic enough. Uh particularly you feel that they have relationships and history. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh and so I don't know if those actors knew each other outside of this or or what um uh, the the actor who plays Noi, this I think is the only thing I could find that they've ever been in, unless they've done some live stage work that's, you know, like a, in terms of film or TV. Yeah. So um, I don't know. It's it, it was really interesting, and I feel like particularly Nim is what I walk away from this film thinking about thinking about her character, her journey, which is kind of complicated by the fact that there's a very shock shocking to me, uh, like reveal two uh, three fourths of the way through the movie uh, when she's just uh, I'm it's a spoiler show everybody so but. Three fourths of the way through the movie, when I, I did not see Nim dying at all, like Dude, I, I did not. I'm see I'm glad you're bringing it up because I would have cited it as if that ain't right. My heart sank. I was like, oh god, yeah, oh I yeah, did not yeah. see that coming, yeah. Um, and oh, because absolutely. it's so unceremonial, like yeah. it's off okay. camera. It's it's yeah. They people just find discover her, her dead, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and she's been pretty crucial. And for for any listeners who haven't watched the film, I actually don't feel like this uh, Apple uh, you know summary is super great, but Nim, this character, she is this sort of elder, you know, kind of religious figure in this community. She yeah. is the shaman for Bayan, yeah. this, you know, kind of goddess figure who who bestows grace and goodness on this community. So she's kind of the emissary of this entity. And you learn some backstory about how Noi, her sister, was supposed to be that and passed on it and the calamity that kind of ensued and the yeah. the fam- familial dynamics that, that happened there. Well, Noi's daughter mink, they think is becoming the next emissary of yeah. Bayan, the new vessel, and the, ten- yeah. the tensions that arise from that only to find out, Oh, this is actually not what's happening to her at all. And, mm-hmm. and again, like I said, I use this word already, but this pivots into, Oh, this is, this is in the exorcism or possession subgenre effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think you'd say that. Is that a fair assessment oh, of the, 100%? Of yeah. The narrative? And in fact, there's resonances 
uh, again, this was my first time viewing it, so this is all looking back on it in in the sweep of it all. There are some resonances to uh, you know The Exorcist itself. Uh, you know, I, I'm not just bringing it up because I love to bring up the movie, although I do. Um, but I thought about when Nim died. I, I had the same experience mm-hmm. that you did. Like mm-hmm. I, I never saw it coming, and I was like, "Holy crap!" But then it was not long before it evoked. Like, oh, that they pulled a Father Marin on it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she's the expert. Mm-hmm. She's the one who's going to guide all this through to the point that even the documentary crew were asking the the other person who was going to be taking over the ceremony, like, "Can you do this without Nim?" You know, and yeah. he's basically like, "It's very dangerous. <laughs> like, this is going to be very dangerous to do without Nim." Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 all of that to come back to, yes, I would absolutely classify this as like a possession exorcism kind of, kind of subgenre, but with, and I think you mentioned this briefly earlier, uh, with the cultural layer that makes it very, very different because it's very rooted in Thailand culture and South Korean culture and, um, in such a way that is distinct from most, if not all other possession narratives that I've seen happen before. There's some major beats that you could point to and be like, this is like this, but it still has its distinct flavor in the middle of all of that. Absolutely. Do you, does this happen to you? Uh, so our uh, next week's film is also a foreign language film. Hmm. And I thought it acutely watching that one. Um, but it even happens a little bit here of just like, uh, Next week's film is called You Won't Be Alone. Uh, check it out before you listen. It's a really good flick, really good conversation. But um, there are moments in that movie that are very pastoral that I was like, yeah, man, yeah. I know this is a really jacked up story, but I kind of love, I kind of, that, that's like making me pine for that kind of like yeah, quiet, yeah. quiet and silence and pace. And yeah, even yeah. watching this one, the medium, don't get me wrong, uh, the second half of this movie would not, would, would definitely challenge this sort of <laughs> sentiment. But yeah. Yeah, 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 I feel like my takeaway here that I'm trying to get to is I feel like I maybe should just watch in general more, more foreign language films of just like, you mm. know, they, they do something to your brain. You're, you're focused in different ways, but also just I, I need to be reminded and see culturally different persons than me and just like absolutely you know like like they live very hard scrabble lives in this film and and just the but but one thing i love about the movie again until it goes off the rails narratively i don't mean in a bad way and just in terms of the story itself these people again have rich histories and dynamics with each other and seem to really have a very fruitful affection for each other even under the weight of you know, kind of sibling history and that's anyway, I really appreciated it from that standpoint. Yeah. And so and you could, yeah, I'm, I'm going to yes. And you for just a brief second, because like one of my, it's going to sound odd, but re- do you remember a couple of years ago when the film drive my car was nominated for best picture? Uh, yeah, I think that I, was just, is either this most recent one or the year before, but yeah, it's pretty yeah, recent. within the last couple of years. Yeah. To, to affirm what you're saying, I wanted to watch it, but it was three hours. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, it's a three hour film and, slower paced sure but 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 i really got a lot out of it like i've seen some english language films that are even slightly shorter and also slow paced that i'm like i'm very bored but but a film like that just had it had a little different flavor to it um it's it's not even a film that i would high you know hardcore champion and and rush to watch again but i get it to to what you're talking about about appreciating a different flavor of films than what i'm typically used to that can be very refreshing in a lot of ways just like okay this is just this is just a little different um and yeah i feel like the medium and this will probably segue us into that ain't right 
Um, so I'm going to pass the baton to you in just a second. But um, I feel like the medium is like almost two different films. It feels like it is the first hour is one film, and it feels like the second hour is like an entirely different film <laughs> with an entirely different tone and intention, even though the narrative is merely progressing. And then on top of that, I feel like the last like five minutes of it pivot back to that previous film that we were watching. But we'll get into all of that. Uh, you take well, it's funny you say that because by the time the film centers Mink, I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. You know, I, it really mm-hmm. it really wasn't immediately clear to me that which it's funny the way you described that earlier. And I think you're right. The performance of Mink feels like it's from a Blumhouse film. Oh, right, right, right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I'm picking on Blumhouse because it's a big studio, but like it feels yeah, yeah. like a dramatization or a performance, you mm-hmm. know, whereas the trappings of the medium have a more verisimilitude to them that she's at the center of. Anyway, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I- I'm getting lost in the weeds a little bit in my head because read lest we forget. <laughs> I mean, like this movie, we are a horror show. So if it's gory, check. If it's gross, check. If it causes you a fright, <laughs> check it, check, check. It's time for the part of the show that we call the medium. That ain't right. That ain't Sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. Some of the stuff I don't know if I want to talk about, man. <laughs> I'll just say we've reached a new level of that ain't right. Where yeah. be like, this is that ain't right plus. And this is the subscription okay. service. I'm gonna go first then. Okay. There's you, a lot. There's, there's a, we do two rounds because yeah, we got a lot. Let's see. One, two, I wrote down three, seven four, things. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Wow. Oh shit. Wicked I, shit. Like I, I dropped the S bomb multiple times in my notes. Um Wow. I Okay. We'll do it. Um Go for it. You go I texted for it. you this. And Yeah, you did. Despite what Scream tells us. There are a there is really only one pretty unbreakable rule <laughs> when it comes to horror storytelling that that if they break it, right? All rules are made to be broken, right? There's an excep- exception to every rule. Sure. If sure. they break it, you know we're all f- uh, <laughs> like when this rule gets broken, yes. that's what you know. I'm a beat I'm sorry, one, but let I'm me rephrase myself. We're no. all folked. Okay. (laughs) And that rule. Oh, God. That even y'all, even psychopathic mofo Michael Myers knows not to break. Even he didn't go there. Don't kill a baby. No. And let me rephrase that. What you don't do is eat a baby. Oh, God. Even you just saying that. Sweet Lord. Oh, my goodness. Good Lord. Good Lord. So in this family system that you're watching over the course of these two horrifying hours, there's a little baby, little baby Pong. <laughs> <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> little 
Ping pong. She pings that pong. Uh-uh. She, she just plays pong. It's like, bonk, bonk, bonk. No. <laughs> no. And little baby pong gets threatened at least once in the second half of the movie. So what I'm not using is that ain't right. And I'm going to see if you do it is because I knew this is the that ain't right of this movie. That There's is, a yeah. lot. There's of them a whole it. bunch, a whole bunch. But this is the one that yeah. once it happens, you're like, it's it's over for everybody like (laughs) like this the there's a lot going on in this movie it ratchets up exponentially by the end of it even then you wonder are we pulling mink out are we going to be saved by the end when this happens when pong gets got yeah you you know you know this is the movie telling this is the documentary team telling you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look behind you because even you ain't safe yeah um like this we're done we're not there's no coming so sure back enough pong gets gets threatened once or twice three times a baby and um <laughs> then there's a moment dude adjacent to that mm-hmm. is when mm-hmm. they've locked mink away to perform the ceremony off-site oh, no and oh, the baby no. crying is oh, happening no. yes and the the actor of mink turns around and is you know, it's audio affecting audio the voice happening. Uh, yes. Yeah. Is itself. That's horrifying. terrifying. That's so mm-hmm. she mink dupes Pong's mama into freeing her. Mm-hmm. And next scene now to the film's credit, you know, they don't physically show this happening, but what you see is yeah. mink over this crib munching. Yeah. And it's, it's it is you not know. unclear whatsoever. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's the thing is like, they didn't at that point, it like didn't. a bag of chips. She comes up with. <laughs> You know, <laughs> she could. <laughs> oh, you thought? Oh, oh you no, are I just, so. I just have some. Head, su- I just have some sweet and tangy barbecue Doritos. <laughs> like, oh my god, tangy baby. Mm. <laughs> you did not. You did baby not. Baby sauce. Oh my. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> You gotta stop before we can see him behind us. Like we're not gonna be able to come back. Oh my! God. No, no, Mama, no. That's what that baby said. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, that is. I mean, like once that happened, I knew. I was like, okay, we're not getting out of this. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. All gonna end in hell. Well, and fire. and. You know, said like <clears throat> poking my head up from the from the jokiness for a little bit. Like, yeah, it is, it is a glaring like f- foghorn signal. <laughs> this will not have a happy ending. Like mm. <laughs> this, no. <laughs> like this is not the foghorn. Kind of we should we oh. should market those. We should sell them <laughs> with our faces on them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. And. Listen, the other, the other one, we're going to do a couple rounds of these, okay? Mm-hmm. But the other one that happens before old baby Pong is mm-hmm. that yipping little puppy. Uh-uh. Like, uh-uh. Oh, my God. No. Mm. No. Oh. No. Oh. No. <laughs> no. 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 Listen, no. I, you could convince me what we saw on screen was real. Like, uh, yeah. That? Yeah. So, yeah. Tell your story, Reed. No, it's just. I'm sitting here. I'm just like when he discovers it. When the when the the Manit Manit yeah discovers the pot, and you see what's that would have been enough. That pulled would, up a pulled up the severed head of yeah, a dog. But yes, yeah. yes, right. That would have been sufficient to tell me. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know they're not. But to your point, 
like we know empirically. But then you know what they do is they say, you only thought you knew. <laughs> oh, my God. Because then they just decide. They're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to play back the footage. We're just going to we're just going to go back. Like you saw, you saw the aftermath. roll it back. Yeah, you saw the aftermath, but uh, let's check it again. So, like, literally, the documentary crew sitting there, and they watch this thing back, and I'm just like, the thing, I know it's sound design. I know cinema trickery, okay? But the thing yelps when it goes into the pot, and I'm just like, uh-uh, like, uh-uh, like, you can't, and listen, let's be real, okay? So, the ball of the dog is what Reed's not saying. <sighs> Mink yes. takes Yappy, and yep. wriggling... Yep body and all dunks yeah. it in boiling pot of water and it screams and then but wait there's more oh because, yeah <laughs> oh yeah i blocked that part out yeah man because it's like but here's the other thing that i gotta say i am a dog lover just you know there are plenty of cat lovers out there god bless you that's that's completely fine i i am not one of those people i'm a dog lover that's an annoying dog like i'm sorry it just it that, that was a that was a frustrating annoying little dog but ain't Ain't no dog deserves what happens to that poor dog. Like, ain't no dog. Like, and after all of that, you, it's like the film knew, it, the, the makers of this film knew, like, this this is going to make something happen. They, Manit finds it, then they go back and, and show the footage that put it into the pot, but then they just go further, and that was my, but wait, there's more, is that you see Mink having little heavenly meat as they call it, little little dog tartar, uh-uh. like uh-uh. it's it's terrible. It's terrible. It's awful. It's it ain't right. Like <laughs> this this movie has some individual ain't rights that might rival any ain't rights we've ever had on the show. Like that's that's one of them. And it's just like <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like Leland Merritt cited out. Does the dog die? Dot com. You know, like I just looked. It's not on there. It's not. Oh, they are uh-uh. missing. They are missing it. Yes. Oh God, they are that, missing. Like it. it literally is what wrote the book for. Yes, yeah, is the answer to the question. Yes, because because that's the thing is it's like oh surely they're not going to kill the dog. Oh God, they killed the dog. Oh God, they ate the dog. And then it's like surely they're not going to kill the baby. <laughs> oh God, they killed the baby. Oh God, they ate the baby. That's oh, a whole God. new website. Does the dog get eaten? Dot com. I mean, <laughs> and then it's a whole other website. Does the dog get eaten by a human? Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, and then and then hashtag baby Q. Like no, oh, no, no. oh, <laughs> mesquite. Um, it's like it's like <laughs> said mesquite. It's like baby or bag of chips dot com. Uh-uh. Uh, not a bag of chips. <laughs> Spoiler alert: not a bag of. Ch- <laughs> <laughs> we said medium but this one's medium rare oh my just god mean, oh lord no <laughs> mama no mama no um yeah those, those really are that's the two absolute worst that's they are that's just that's two. two of them that's two of them um um I'll, okay i'll i'll cite one that's not as like extreme but is actually sure, really sure. to your point actually some really good movie trickery here so it's an overall disgusting scene when Mink is beginning her turn and she sexually accosts Manit. Oh, so that's Lord. But yes. it's that yeah. scene. So that that part is repulsive, of course, and unsettling. But dude, the before she vomits all the the ectoplasm, yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, scene yeah. with the finger in the cup of water, oh, the glass of water. Yes, yes, yes. I was impressed oh. with that. I was like, okay, 
That, yeah. that was good. Yes. Because it looks off. so real. It looks yes, it so does. real. It's crazy. So, listener, if you haven't seen it, um, as sort of this, I don't even know. It's not a test. It, it's Nim trying to expunge some of the wickedness or whatever, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, you know, Mink, the the teenage girl, is is turning over to the dark side and has has been has gone full Reagan on her uncle. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, that's an Exorcist reference, Reed. I don't know if you caught that. Oh. Um, and <laughs> they they get a glass of water, dip her finger in it, and from her finger starts starts you know kind of pouring forth this black goo black ooze and then the glass shatters it's just a really effective visual cue um and also just a pretty haunting one too um i'll say this if they had done less with her roaming the house at night it would have ranked higher for me Uh, i get that but i think they over they overuse Mink yes. in the house at night to the yeah. point that I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, I think it, I think I got a little numb to it after a while. The two, the two big moments that stand out to me that I was like, okay, those work are, are actually the first time she picks Pong up from the crib. I was like, Oh God, like that, that whole thing really got me. Of course it follows the reveal of what she's done to the dog. So that's even worse. But then the other one that got me, it reminded me of the visit. When she's like looking oh, at yes. the that's thing, a great and one. Then, oh, that's it. a great, yeah, I that's pooped. a great jump, <laughs> great jump scare, great, great jump scare. Um, but I agree with you. It's like that goes on for maybe fifteen minutes, maybe. And I was just like, like yeah, there might be half a dozen of the scenes. I'm like, uh, you could have done with like three. Yes. You know? Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, I agree with you there. Um. I will say this is another that ain't right. That's maybe a little bit on the 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 lesser visceral side, but all the disgusting little like smelly trinkets that they find in her room. I'm oh, just like, oh, that's my God, this is wretched. Yeah, disgusting. Like, and then they just and start. When you say smelly trinkets, you mean like used body products? Yeah, and... yeah, used body yep. products. Yes. Oh yep. God. Yep. It's yep. It's really awful. It's use really your terrible. imagination, listener. <laughs> sure. Um, I love, I love how I didn't shy away from Pong's fave. I'm like, mm. yeah, like no, no, don't describe body. what they throw into the <laughs> body products. <laughs> yeah, <basically. laughs> the body is nasty. Lord um, mercy, so gross. So so gross. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a lesser and then a greater here. So okay. I'll start with the greater. I think the entire ceremony is. Like it's, I'm kind of applauding it. Like it's, mm. it's that ain't right because there's a lot of tiny pieces that are pretty repulsive and gross, but yeah, also yeah. work really well. But that's when I texted you about the production is when they built this, these twin architectural elements yeah. that are oh, kind yeah. of communing with each other. And there's these disciples of the co shaman around. Like it's a pretty, I was oh, like, yeah. damn, this is, this is cool. If not, horrifying yeah um, of course so i really kind of loved that uh, i wish we'd gotten to it a little faster um, sure but sure my other one read that is very surface level and highly just judgmental of me mm-hmm. but a that ain't right on my list i gotta be honest is santi who is the co-shaman that nim recruits yes. to assist okay. her in the ceremony late in the movie is when I noticed his giant, excessively hairy mole on his face. Oh my god! It is 
what you think earlier in the film is maybe a um I don't remember what that thin the soul patch what you think is kind of a soul patch is not in fact <laughs> it is only later when there's a close up and you're like that's small hair <laughs> that you could braid uh could that braid. is <laughs> hey, will somebody braid my mole hair <laughs> well so someone disgusting. trim that i'm waiting for hair and makeup to enter the Lord frame and just mercy. a little snip 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 um but yeah that was i was like okay <laughs> that's that ain't right that's an Someone affect that is a that choice somebody that's decided choice. like look that's a choice look if i'm gonna be here it's like uh, when your buddy grows the great goatee and you're like you shouldn't yes, you, it's yes. Not, it doesn't work for you that's for the when re- your buddy grows the mole yeah tea, the really terrible know? comb over and they just keep committing oh, yes. to it they're just like oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. it's it's pretty awful well and uh just mentioning them in, in passing there, you know, that there, there's a lot in that finale that is certainly grotesque, but, uh, Santi's fate off the side of the, off the side of the little ledge there. And then when the camera pans oh, down, that was just sense. good Lord. Um, and then the, uh, of course it's again, this might be edging into heavier stuff, but when Noi is pleading with mink pleading with her, to come back to her and to 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 not as as Mink is dousing her with gasoline, and then mm. thank thankfully they do not actually like show that the ultimate yeah, but but you know what has just happened and do uh, you it's just, so oof. clarifying question um, we learn from the coda on the film that Nim herself struggled with her own belief. Um, which, which does add an eerie sort of overlay back upon the events of the film. But when Noi, so climax of the movie is, is sort of the showdown between Mink, the daughter and Noi, her mother, um, in this abandoned warehouse uh, where all this insanity is occurring. Did because noise says something about now being the channel for Bayan, yeah, Bayan. Yeah, that she you, feels Bayan. How did you interpret that sequence? Like, is she just hysterical and sort of off, or is that legitimate? Like, because then I, she does pivot back into full-brained mother, you know, so, pleading with daughter. Anyway, yeah, yeah no, it, it's interesting that you. It's interesting that you say that. I characterized that moment in the full spectrum of noise journey because Noi had kept going back to like she rejected the acceptance of Bayan from the beginning in fact like kind of tried to the the film breezes by it but that she kind of manipulated Nim into feeling like she was going to be the vessel and I feel like that's very very relevant to the final shot of the film that it leaves us with about Nim's existential crisis but uh, we learned that Noi had kind of like sort of planted some some signs and some evidence to lead Nim to think that she was going to be the vessel. And so how I interpreted that scene was it felt as if Noi's character was constantly running from this idea of the possession of Bayan because she said, I never wanted to be. I never wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So so she just completely goes and... and uh, when they talk about the family's history and, and the history of all of the things that they had brought, the curse that they had brought upon themselves, and then that was of the male side of the family, and then that uh, Noi's husband had married 
and they describe right. her as the person who rejected Bayan. And so, again, I keep saying I'm going to come back to it and not. So how I interpreted that scene is she feels in that moment, she's not necessarily hysterical, but she feels in that moment as if she is finally coming into her own and accepting what she has always been running away from. And I feel like the film leaves it open to interpretation as to whether or not she is too late or completely uh, delusional. So that either... Right. You know, she has come to this realization when it is far too late to do anything about it or completely delusional. And I feel like the film, not uh, to foreshadowing a little bit of where we'll go in, in just a few minutes, I feel like the film could be taken either way as if, yeah, there's th there's nothing to this Bayan inheritance and, and that, that that is really not hopeful for them or that the constant deference and the constant deceit uh, basically undermined and undercut what might have been their only chance to try to subvert what was mm. happening to Mink. Um, and I think the film gives you enough to walk away with either one in in pretty uh, substantive conclusions um, in, in um, either direction. But yeah, did that help? I'm sorry, I felt like that was longer. Yeah, than, no, than yeah. yeah. Uh, you're, you're kind of articulating effectively what I thought, which is it's not hyper clear. It's, it's yes, you know, right. a little bit subjective there. What's truly going on um, as a, as a, a final note and we can exit that ain't right. I do kind of substantiating. I think the choice of the docu style, um, I think as we've already articulated the actor who plays Nim, when she, discovers the decapitation of the Bayan statue oh, is, a, is a real gut punch. I mean, that's it's terrible. This woman who you get the impression clarify for me. You don't have to, because I'm not going to, uh, you know, kind of make you accountable for knowing this information, but I feel like I recall some version when mother Teresa was, was dying or on her deathbed, some, some sort of suggestion of doubt, which is just totally normal and human mm. to have. And, I, I love the idea. It's a terrible, it's a terrible notion, but I love that the film shows this woman who's given herself over to the cause of the good for her community. Yeah. Still yeah. unsure of, yeah. of where her, the, the substance of her faith of what that actually is. Yeah. Of but course. even when faced, even knowing that when faced with the, the, emblem of her faith being so desecrated like that that yeah. is a that's a powerful moment and it is real really yeah. really delivers um yeah i, I kind of love a lot about this movie let's let's uh let's do this so i mean goodness gracious reed did you squirm i did <laughs> did you <laughs> yeah did you wince you can say that again did you squint your eyes real tight because mm -hmm. it was probably because of what we round here call that ain't right Sure as hell ain't right. That ain't no bag of um, chips. That <laughs> babyyourbagofchips.com. Goodness <laughs> gracious. That's terrible. Um That's so awful. I have to laugh because it's so dreadful. Sorry. Oh yeah, you you yeah. do. Uh, oh man. So I I I think there's a lot of of depth to this movie, and I think that there's a there's a, a little substance that Santi says late in the film that really jumped out at me. It's a metaphor he uses for Mink. And 
I'll, I'll just say it and then we can run where we want if anywhere sure. wouldn't. So when Nim, so, so Mink starts exhibiting these, you know, troubling behaviors and, and trends of, you know, uh, malformed personality, um, her mother, Noy, her uncle, Manit, entreat Nim to assist I don't remember the precise details, but Nim sort of for her reasons that make sense denies this assistance. Mm -hmm. So what they do is take her to effectively a charlatan sort of shaman and perform what is called what they refer to even as just a random uh, acceptance ceremony. And Nim rushes in uh, once she discovers what's happened because the shaman of the ceremony is placing some sort of um, dish filled with articles in it upon Mink's head. Nim rushes in and smacks it out of his hand is greatly offended by what is taking place here. And I think there's a world where we're meant to believe that that act is what accelerated and or amplified whatever was already begun. in I, I absolutely agree. Yes. Because, um, you know, there's this suggestion and pretty feels like a statement that her, is it her cousin Mac, um, is initiating oh, yeah. some of the haunting that's happening to her. And then this just propels her down a much, much, much darker path than she was already on. Well, Santi, uh, getting back to this metaphor, he uses Santi, the recruit Nim comes to, and you get the impression this is a legitimate person. These two have history. This is meant to be the formidable team, the dream team that's yeah. going to pull Mink back. And he says, I think to Noy and Manit, he says, you took her to a random acceptance ceremony, question mark. Mink's condition right now is like a car that still has the keys in it. Mm. Anyone can drive it anywhere. <sighs> Man. And dude, I this is where the value of examination of horror storytelling is so useful and instructive, really. Hmm. because you know this is a movie about the possession by i'll use this word a legion of spirits upon one individual that's the that's the text yeah right but i feel like the possession as a genre has taken on eerie new resonance in a world where all we are is receptors for input. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, you know, you referenced Black Mirror during our Wetcha, and I made an offhanded joke, which is partly just gallows humor, that some of my, it's not resistance as in I refuse to do it, but just some of my um, lack of urgency to getting to some of the black mirror stuff isn't a lack of interest. It's I jokingly said, well, I can just wait, you know, cause we're going <sighs> to start seeing this in the real yeah. world. Yeah. And, and, and his metaphor there was chilling to me and, and how we're becoming just a container for other forces to drive. Yeah. Um, mm. A key, a car with the keys left in it. Anyone can drive it anywhere. And, and just, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't have a ton to, to build upon that idea. It just so chilled and struck me as a potent metaphor for what I, what I sort of feel like is happening 
just in general in the world, you know? And, yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know if that stuck out to you at all or if, or if me bringing it up highlights it to you, but, oh. but that really was powerful to me. Uh, yeah, no, I, I will echo what you said about in, in, in the moment when he said, now I, I didn't immediately put together though. It's so uh, clear to see now in hindsight, the resonance of, of what you're describing about us all being just sort of vessels that are being driven by our inputs. But also there is this counter counter is not the right word. There's, there's this parallel idea where, uh, Nim, especially, and to a lesser degree, Noi, this is all about for them trying to get the right, using the same metaphor, the film doesn't extend the metaphor, but I'm extending it right now, uh, about them feeling like there is a specific benevolent entity that is driving their car, as as it were, that like Mink may be open to whatever being well-intentioned or ill-intentioned will take her over and and go that way they also uh nim and noi feel like at certain degrees in the film like they are vessels for bayan and Mm -hmm. again we'll get to the ending where that existential crisis kind of comes to bear but i think about uh the cultural moment not only the fact that we are cars with the keys in it or that we can be cars with the keys in it but also how many people feel that they know who's in the driver's seat and that they know the the, the righteous sort of representation that they are making, uh, perhaps not realizing either the complete falsehood of that or that they're being driven by other inputs beyond their knowledge. Um, and and contrasting that, it's like there's, there's the character of Mink who's just so wide open, influenced by anything, influenced in many ways by everything simultaneously or by many things simultaneously and then also uh nim acting as if uh, i say acting as if she really believed it at least for much of the early parts of the film what she expressed was like no i'm acting as an agent of bayan and noi at the end feeling like bayan has come i my heart hurts for a lot of people who feel like they are compelled by a unique, specific destiny. I'm not saying that there aren't people who have certain unique contributions to be able to make to the culture and to the world around them, but I cringe a little bit whenever I hear people uh, express language of like, you know, they invoke Esther a lot, the biblical narrative of Esther, where they're mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. And, and they'll say, you know, well, maybe I've been put here for such a time as this. And they invoke the Esther language from the story, which that's a powerful story. And I love that story. But I get troubled for myself and for the people that I hear that from about like, oh man, you're, you're, you're on quivering ground the moment that you believe like to the fullest that you are acting as this, direct i'll call it like finger of god or something or like i am destined to do this thing i've i've just i've just seen too much because what it ultimately can be can be maybe not always but what it ultimately can be is an attraction to power and an attraction to influence that people will embrace and because they you know have a certain charisma or because they have a certain uh, ability to persuade people they will begin to act 
uh, as that kind of agency or, or as a kind of an agent of a higher power. And then in doing so, it is a very, very thin line, a, a very fragile veneer to where now suddenly you're merely acting on your own behalf or on your own interests and calling it God, calling it something else. Like one of the, hopefully to put it in more concise language, that was one of the most fascinating things I found out about this film is something real and tangible is happening to Mink. Is it a, uh, a massive delusion that is merely just a pervasive psychosis that is driving her to these things? Or is it paranormal and and uh you know malevolent of a of a supernatural nature on on that other end again there's different interpretations that could be made of the film but simultaneous to that you have people who believe they are acting as agents of benevolence and good and i one of the reasons i find nim's death so devastating but also so compelling is uh she spent her life devoted to healing or, or ministering to the the spiritual needs of the community. She says early on in a lo- in a line that I love. She was like, "If you have cancer, you should go see a doctor." <laughs> you know, yeah, she's like, yeah. she's like, no, I, I think she says, "If you have cancer, if you come to me, you'll die." As well, <laughs> yeah, like yes, that. yes, yes, yeah. And I just I found that very uh, endearing. The fact that she would just say like, "If you have a real illness, like go see a doctor," but she's like, "If you have a spiritual problem, I can help with the spiritual problem." So she's as a character, it's not a stretch to say she's devoted so much of her life to meeting the spiritual needs of the community but when she's confronted with this thing there's this devastation that hits her that's like uh, the final scene of the movie that we keep invoking and calling like an existential crisis just in blunt after all of the mayhem has happened and pretty much i think you texted me that you didn't have everybody dies on your bingo card (laughs) but that's (laughs) basically what it is just like oh everybody dies um after all of that has happened it goes back to a previous moment that is filmed before Nim dies, where Nim, in a very poignant and kind of kind of heart wrenching moment, begins to get tearful and breaks down about the doubts she has about whether or not Bayan has ever entered her at all, whether or not she has ever acted on his behalf, and then the film ends with her being too overcome with her own grief and and having to move away and having to just sob over the credits. And my heart doesn't only break for, to get back to the analogy that you specifically raised with what Santi said, I not only feel the fear of people who are so wide open, they can be manipulated by a variety of different inputs without their knowledge, like a car with the keys left in it, But I also feel for the people who come to that crisis moment of feeling like they've been acting in a righteous way for so long only to have the the veil kind of fall for them and realize like, oh, no. And I'll I'll tell you the the moment that it brings up for me because I think about about this moment a lot. It's it's from a biblical text, but I think about this moment a lot. Um, The the. The biblical narrative says that when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he saw a vision of a dove descending on him, and that was what communicated to him that Jesus is the one I've been waiting for. And um, so he baptizes Jesus because he's seen this vision. Well, then as time progresses, John the Baptist gets arrested and thrown into prison. And the moment that I reflect on often is this man, John the Baptist, uh, and I believe it's Matthew 11. I would need to look it up to, to completely confirm, but John the Baptist basically sends his disciples to ask Jesus, like, are, are you really the one or should we wait for somebody else? 
And I just think about it a lot because to see such a, uh, in, in the moment, clear picture of, yes, this is the destiny, this is the legacy, this is the, the righteous and faithful path, and then to come to a place where because so many things have beset you or because so much devastation has come against you to, to reach this crisis moment of, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't know what I believe anymore. Or, you know, to feel that, to feel mm-hmm, that gravity mm-hmm. of like, I, I don't know if I've, if what I saw was a, a deceit or not. And it is not lost on me. I know I'm rambling a lot, so please pardon me and bear with me. It's not lost on me how much deception is present in the so-called righteousness of this. Do you remember that moment when, um, Santi, is that his name, where they're, mm-hmm. they're, the documentary crew is talking to him? And I think it's the moment that they're asking him if it's still dangerous to do it with, to do uh, the ceremony without Nim. And he says, well, did you catch the bumper on the back of Manit's car? Or did you catch the, the sticker on the back of Manit's car? Red. And he says, yeah. and the sticker says, this car is red, but it is placed on a black truck. And it says, this car is red. And it took me a minute to be like, well, what the heck's that got to do with anything? But it's about diversion and deception we're going to call a thing a thing that is clearly not a thing and that's what they're doing in the ceremony they put the the hood on noi they've locked nim or they've locked uh, mink Mink. away and they've put the hood on noi and they're trying to trick the spirits and then this stood out to me in a really profound way that when they tried to trick the spirits and at first it's working noi gets you know the possession and then vomits up into the cursed pot which is what they're waiting for but then how is it all undone by further deception because mink deceives um pang i think is the is the mother's name into opening the door and when she opens the door it's a really frightening moment because when she when mink is in the other room crying like the baby even though Pong's still in the crib at that moment, she deceives her, the door is opened, and then the cursed pot, which was just like quivering and shaking through the oh, whole yeah. thing, it just stops. stops at that moment. And of course, all of the people who are conducting the ceremony don't know what's just happened back at the house. Right. That's a great Oh, sequence. man. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's very, it's frightening, but it's really, really compelling. And getting back to my point is, I feel like the ways in which we are capable of self-deception and the ways in which... Uh, what was the film we were watching? Oh, it wasn't a film. It was Midnight Mass. Uh, do you remember that Paul, the character of Paul, in order to restore, um, oh gosh, what is his, Riley's faith, had like mm-hmm. deceived him about the mouse? Do you remember that? Oh, yep, yep, yeah. Yep, and, mouse, uh, yep. I can't remember all the, the interior moments, but what has resonated with me a lot since watching this film is you cannot walk a righteous path with deceitful shoes. And I know that's a really clever little bumper sticker, but I'm just like, you cannot presume deception in the name of goodness and think you are not going to like that. It's that it's not all going to crumble. It's a house of cards. If you are building even potential benevolence or righteousness on knowing and willful deceit, my view, my, my, um, one of my foundational principles is like, and I'm not saying I'm not capable of deceit, but one of my foundational principles is if I want to build something good, it will have to be built on on direct, honest, complete truth. Like that is how it has to be founded or because everything else is just going to be like sifted sand and it's just going to completely well, crumble. I don't think this is an implication you would 
Meg, but maybe I'm bringing it up to inquire of that. I don't personally view Nim's confession as an example of deceit. Oh, no, to I didn't. Me, no, no, no. Oh, okay, I'm, yeah, okay. I'm, no, I'm you not. Know. I'm not talking about to Nim me, that's when just, I say that. That's a human moment of just, right. I don't yes. know. And, and if anything, to your point earlier, feels like it's kind of, though it is contextually a part of the movie we're f- watching, feels like a different story. Like it does. The, yeah. The journey of a person who, who's doing the hands and feet work. Yes. Who existentially is just unsure and, yeah. and yet plows on anyway. Um, well, and, and to, yeah. Uh, I apologize for cutting you off, but just to clarify, in case it was unclear to listeners either, I'm comparing Nim's existential crisis to that John the Baptist narrative, where even those who have seen mm, great mm, things are yeah. still like, are you know, have a moment where you're just like, I don't know, are you the one? Or because he yeah, saw it himself, yeah, yeah. and so I, I feel a great deal of compassion towards Nim character, sure. and that's distinct from what I'm identifying from the choice that Santi and Noy and the rest of them make to try to outsmart the malevolent entities or to try to outwit them and in doing so are ultimately outwitted themselves and destroyed. And, uh, and that is very different from Nim. And I honestly think the ending of the, my interpretation and walk away from the film is that the end would be, would have been very different with Nim there because Hmm. this, this is going to be, Reed bringing what Reed believes to this to the medium. I'm not citing this as the philosophy of the film, but in my views and philosophies, Nim, with all of her doubts, would have been significantly stronger against those malevolent entities than the trickery and and cleverness of Santi and Noy and all the rest of what they try. But again, that's yeah. that's I'm not necessarily saying no, that the, I, I, you know, I think that's but um, I, I think there's some 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 that makes sense because I believe there is a power. In, in persistence despite doubt. I believe there is a sure. tremendous power in, I don't know if I can do this, but I believe this is what must be done, so I am going to proceed. But in being truthful well, about that. To your point, there is a moment when Santi is challenged by Nim about the way he's conducting his sort of career, as it were. And, and she says something about, the charlatans or you know Mm. you're still doing this and he more or less says everybody needs to make a buck you know but to your point yeah yeah yeah. and actually i don't i think the movie wants you to like santi i think he's meant to be the 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 rebel character that is folded into the narrative to help to potentially help but at the same time that substantiates kind of what you're after here which is you know especially systems of faith systems of belief built on deception active deception don't really stand a chance <laughs> yeah yeah uh, when the chips are down and it's, um, and, and i know that it is so difficult and and listeners friend i i wrestle with this all the time that the the language that we have when jesus himself would admonish them and be like why did you doubt you know like I, I know that's challenging language, and I'm not ignoring it, but what I have witnessed, even in biblical narratives and in my own experience and in, in what I've seen to be faithful and fruitful work, is those who proceed with the spirit of, I, I really don't know, but you know I'm going to press on or I'm going to continue, is significantly better 
and more holy and faithful than those and who are truer. and truer, truer. Yes. Than those who would try to just in vain repetition talk themselves into something that was completely false. Like I do believe, I do believe, I do believe. Or you know, like whatever that is, it's just I, I feel like it's significantly healthier to just stop and admit, I don't know. I really don't yeah. know. I mean, but there's, I a, there's a real in the spirit of, um, you know, we're all just cars being driven anywhere by anyone. Like there's a real spirit of certainty that I think is to call it demonic might be strong, but you know, there's this declarative spirit we sort of see swirling in the air in our culture, um, that just doesn't, it lacks grace. It lacks empathy. It villainizes, it demonizes others. It otherizes Mm. others. Um, that when, I mean, it's what I just said, when, when, when the chips are down is going to evaporate like this, this spirit of challenge, this spirit of uh, how I said a second ago, certainty that doesn't allow room for uncertainty, doesn't allow room for doubt, doesn't allow room for imagination, Mm. um, Mm -hmm. doesn't allow room for vision casting. I I don't know. I, I think, that's a thing I got into a really stupid conversation recently and with someone who I'm going to say it out loud and and a listener (sighs) might be like, you're making up, you're making that up. Like I'm really not, it is that stupid. And and it was just a a group setting and, and, um, I was doing fine, but some alcohol was involved and, and this person who has kind of a, a, a simple construction to their, Argument sometimes is just like they were really pissed that I wouldn't concede their desire for me to state there is a hell of of mm. their of, of what mm. they would have understood it to be like oh no no it's it's in the Bible it's in the Bible and and this mm. is like the nature of this like this is what I mean it was very stupid yeah um and and it's this it's this spirit of certainty it's this no it is literally a thing as declared by in this case, the, I'm going to put in air quotes, the Bible and you know, I'm, I'm smart enough. And I don't mean smart as in, I don't mean that in elitist fashion. I'm mature enough at this point to know that you pick your battles and that was sure. not a moment to. And so I, I, I basically was like, well, you know, I think what you understand as has been culturally given to you that one might call hell. No, I don't buy into that. You know, it it was just like, right. right. I think there's too much ambiguity. I think God's too good. I think, uh, Jesus's work is too, um, uh, profound and complete that to allow for kind of what you are describing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I definitely, in that scenario, I was like, I definitely don't think what you think you're asking is actually rooted in, the scripture. Now, yeah, I'm yeah. not, you know, academic enough to be able to come back to parry everything that was coming my way there, but it was more just don't be so sure that like, that's, yeah. that's a bumper sticker. We should all apply to our car. Don't be so sure. <laughs> <laughs> don't, be, don't be so sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it is. Don't be so sure. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's like, um, I, I think a lot 
about, I think a lot about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> but don't be so sure, Reed. You you talked about that. You talked about that moment, and I I don't know. I don't recall. I don't remember um, the Mother Teresa moment. A, a a moment that I do remember because it was documented in the film that I not too long ago rewatched because I just needed it in my life. Um, is that near his death, uh, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, asked of his wife, am I a sheep? And what he meant by that, as she articulated in the film, Won't You Be My Neighbor, what he meant by that was, have I, have, have I done good work? You know, have I done, you know, has it made a difference? Has, you know, like, because it's the, uh, he was invoking the biblical narrative of sheep versus goats. And, mm-hmm. and I do think that a a thoughtful kind of reflection, I mean, God, I'll even take it right there. Like anybody who would be like, no, 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 uh, never have any doubt, never have any certainty. And, and I would, I would then ask not as a gotcha moment, but as a serious, like, you know, how, how do you then fit in your imagination? The moments when Christ in Gethsemane was begging for another way and or on the cross when he quoted the psalm and asked why he had been forsaken, I I think we're too quick to dismiss doubt and too quick to dismiss the power of courage and hope despite doubt mm-hmm. and too quick to embrace certainty as virtue. And and to your point, you know, the don't be so sure moniker and and I think it is probably a lot better and healthier and more reasonable to be like I I don't know. I just, I just don't know. But in that spirit, to I, I do think that there can be a crippling uncertainty that is also not healthy. And I, I, I can understand there's a, a balancing act to be pursued because utmost certainty is usually folly, and you'll think you're walking on firm ground when you're just going to trip over yourself. But somebody who is so crippled by uncertainty that they can't make a choice that that is also yeah. you know yeah. that that's also different and i you know and i do feel like it's important to find a healthy doubt and hope relationship to where there is a relationship within your heart where you're not dismissing your doubts but you're rather in a way that we often use this language of you know different emotions speaking to each other like we're in the movie inside out but if your doubt and hope can be in dialogue with one another, I don't know, but I, I do right. hope. I don't think we're in the movie inside out. I think the movie inside out is inside of us. So, you oh, know, yeah, so that's I, a good point. I, that's a good I mean, point. Yes. I, 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 do, I, yeah. I, I think there's, um, random aside and slight sidebar. I think <laughs> words I never thought I'd say, I'm a little bored with Pixar output, but, mm, um, mm. regardless, I think that film has a profound amount of wisdom to it in helping us with comprehension of our inner self. And so don't be too quick to dismiss that because I think that's real and true in the way the film portrays the relationship of joy and sadness. So too, I would say is like, yeah, I, I, I can hold certain things as true capital T while at the same time, there's three other lowercase letters there and let those symbolize like, ah, there's a whole lot of other stuff I'm just not sure about and, and can kind of live in that tension, uh, yeah. uh comfortably is maybe the wrong word, but satis satisfactorily, you know, mm-hmm. I can, yeah. I can recognize that, you know, uh, definitely, uh, the older I get, 
the absolute less I feel I know. And I think that's a true and mature kind of, I feel that way at least, uh, way to kind of live. Um, yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah. Yay inside out. Scary. <laughs> Indeed. Scary medium. And I know we're, I know we're probably, you know, closing towards the fog meter, but, um, lingering perhaps just, just one more minute on that note of, you know, just, just an encouragement as much for myself and, and maybe to a lesser degree, if you're not struggling with it as much to you or to other listeners of just like, I feel like there can be a real shame that is attached to people who aren't quite sure. And there's can be this feeling of like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to be more confident in myself and in the, the power of goodness in the world. And it can be very, very easy seeing the way things go sometimes uh, in society and politics in just the direction humanity is headed, it can be very easy sometimes to feel like, man, I, I just don't know. I, I really don't know if this is all going to be okay. And I really don't know if this is all going to be good. And I just maybe for a foolish minute want to just speak a word of hope not to feel shame if that is something that you if that's a mindset you're sitting with at the moment like if you if you're just looking and saying like man I don't know I don't you know I don't know if uh there is if goodness is stronger than deceit I don't know if if you know kindness is stronger than malice like I don't know if it is the right choice to you know meekly proceed uh in in the right and faithful path or I don't know who's going to inherit the earth. All you know, all, pick pick your language, whatever it is. I just want to speak a word that if that that there's no shame in asking those questions. And I can say for myself that in the midst of all of those things, I, I'm going to go back to the language of the film. Maybe this is a final note. Maybe you'll have a response. Either one is either option is okay. Um, but I was trying to put language around it that didn't sound so bumper stickery. I don't know if this is going to come out like a bumper sticker or not. But when Nim says she doesn't know if Bayan has ever, you know, entered her or not. What I so badly want to say to that character is, I don't know if she was in you, but she was clearly with you. Look at all the good that you've tried to do right. and look right. at all that you've tried to, to propagate there. And, and, and maybe foolhardy for myself, but that is what I'm walking in right now. Like, I don't know. I, I sure hope uh, that, that I am representing in, in many ways, the hands and feet of Christ and the voice and the perspective um, but even, even if I have those doubts, like I, I come to believe and come to hope that, uh, God is with us and, uh, and that, that presence may be enough and it may not negate suffering and it may not defer pain, but, uh, but maybe it will be enough and, and more than anything to cast away the shame of not necessarily being able to stand up and go, no, I, I know that I know that I know that I know that I know as, as so often was invoked in churches before. Um, I've, I've just come to a much more comfortable place where I say like, I, I don't know, but I do believe I, I don't mm. know, but I do believe. Sure. And, um, and, and that to me has been strength and peace and comfort in my heart and life. And, and I don't know if that will resonate with listeners or not, but I, I, I wanted to speak it in case it would, but, um, yeah. The medium. 
<laughs> the medium, the medium. Um, did you have anything to add, or do you want to go to the fog meter for yield medium? Um, I have nothing to add, <laughs> unless you want to hear another 10. That ain't right. Uh, they're there. They're there, but I will forego that privilege um, and take us to the fog meter. The fog meter is our unique... Uh, well, first of all, before we go to the fog meter, I just want to thank Ernst. Ernst, uh, I, sincerely, mm. like the film, uh, I, I was looking for an excuse to see this film anyway. You gave us one, and I appreciate that. So so with that uh, spirit, thank you again, Ernst Mantler, for recommending this film to us to cover. And uh, the fog meter is our unique metric of fear and God, where we rate the films not necessarily on their quality, but on their gravity and their heft and how much they are going to ask of you as a viewer, um, in the measurements of fear and God, the scares and the substance. Nathan, what would you give the medium on the fear measurement? Um, I think it traffics in some pretty traditional possession narrative tropes. Um, I think it starts to stretch a little thin by the end. Mm. So I don't know that the sum total quite packs the punch that that the pieces might otherwise signal um i'm gonna give it a six on the fear okay. meter, which may may sound odd given the fact of what we've said if our that ain't rights those that ain't rights are the substance of that six to me absolutely yeah absolutely um what is there is pretty high for me like just a couple of things i was just like yeah just like mm-hmm. c- couldn't shake it in terms of the the stomach tightening element of what you are physically seeing on screen. I'm, I'm going to go a little bit higher than you with an eight um, because I do feel like the film layers that out and kind of saves most, if not all of it for the back half of the film. Uh, but boy, when it, when the hell starts breaking loose, like it, it really breaks. <laughs> so, sure. uh, so yeah, so eight for me for that. For the God meter, I'm I'm torn about because I feel like there's so many fascinating and compelling things in this film. Um, but this was one that I felt like a lot of my takeaways were also le- reflections of the lens that I was viewing it through. Um, and that's not a criticism of the film, but it does sort of bring the God meter down for me a little bit in terms of the, the clarity of, of what it... I had to work a little bit to sort of put some puzzle pieces together of exactly how I felt about certain things, even though I think it had a lot on its mind. Um, I'm going to land at a seven for the God meter. That just kind of generally feels like, uh, yeah, feels like where I want to land. What would you say for it? Do this. I'm going to mulligan my six and bring it to a seven just because I do think the imagery is strong enough uh, that, and and six actually sounds, sounds like a tepid. Uh, scare factor. I do think it's real. I do think it's there. I do think it's formidable and potent. Sure, so, sure. So, so throw that as a seven. Um, you said seven for God meter. I said seven for God meter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the character of Nim. Um, I think if the edit on this film were tighter, it would show me that what they thought, what they knew they had, was the strength of its substance. Yeah. Instead, I'm worried because the edit is a little lumpy it shows me what they want to show me is scare stuff. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so it kind of dulls the overarching God factor a little bit. Um, comment. See six feels cheap here, but it's this, all my six points are Nim and some of the other chatter about the, the, the deeper elements of it. So I'm going to give a six on the God factor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So that means that we give no decimals, uh, a clean seven, 
to the medium on the fog meter. Uh, definitely a hefty showing. Uh, but the more difficult for me question, uh, maybe not, I don't know how difficult it'll be for you, but would you recommend the medium? Yeah, I think it's a great scary movie. I think, I, again, I wish it were a hair shorter and, and, but that's not like, that's not a ding against the sort of fun of watching a scary movie, uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I, I recommend it. I think, oh. I think it's a really, really potent entry in the, sort of exorcism subgenre. Yeah. I I have so as we usually articulate, like for our folks, I do recommend it. Like for the folks sure. who regularly engage our show, yes, I recommend it. So if there's any question about that, yeah, I, I do recommend that. Uh for broader audiences, yeah, not at all. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure I would. And and it's mostly because of three brief factors. Number one, I I agree with you that I think it's a little it's a little long. It's a little too long. Um, that in itself wouldn't be enough, but I also think it is pretty bleak and it is, is pretty heavy in a lot of places. And some just listen to our that ain't right section if you have any worries about like you know content, uh, yeah. yeah content uh, considerations. Uh, so so for those reasons, I wouldn't recommend it to a broader audience, but I would recommend it to uh, folks who regularly listen to us and watch the the shows that we cover because uh, it, it's thoughtful. And uh, and it does have some very interesting things. Just brace yourself for some of that, st- <laughs> for some of that stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I very much, as I said a few minutes ago, I very much appreciate Ernst pointing us towards this film. Um, and next week we are going to close out our series on what the folk uh, of folk horror films. Uh, this has been an interesting run. This has been a really really interesting run. And um, I want to highly encourage. Nathan said it earlier. I'm going to also encourage it as. Uh, podcast time travel would have it. We've already recorded the episode that I am pitching to you for next week, and it is one we are very, very proud of. Um, it is a film written and directed by Goran Stolevsky. It is called You Won't Be Alone from last year. Um, I will warn that it has uh, a deliberate pace. Like, it's it's kind of, um, it's not a, a very, like, propulsively paced film. So if you brace yourself for that and uh, some instances of some kind of horrific imagery, it's a wonderful film. It's a film I love, and I really want to encourage people to check it out. And then definitely, whether you check the film out or not, listen to our conversation next week about it. That is called You Won't Be Alone. It'll be ending our folk horror series intermission before we get back into the films of M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much for Mm -hmm. this conversation, which I've really, really enjoyed. And listeners, thank you so much. Ernst, thank you again for recommending the film. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Nathan, thank you again. Listeners, thank you again. And we'll see you all next week. Bye, everybody. See you next time. The Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There, you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. 
Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>